Yoshi Obayashi. I'm still in Seattle, and let's just jump right into it, Ruben. Um, this, I'm, ter- I'm terrible. I've known you for so long, but I never knew you're Greek. Well, well, first of all, how do you put, how do you say your last name? Kershon, right? Kerson. Kerson. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I've only known you for what thirty-two years. All right, go ahead. Well, I didn't know you're Greek. That that was surprising part. No, I'm Greek, Mexican, and black. Wait, so how did, how, what? How did that happen? I mean, we're, we're, a couple of half breeds got together. No, but <laughs> what part is Greek? Your dad or uh, my dad's half Greek and half Mexican, and my mom's half black and half Mexican. Okay, and you're born, raised in Bremerton, right? Right. Yeah. So, Ruben and I, well, actually, it's more than thirty-two. We, I went to Stardusy Catholic School in Bremerton, Washington, nineteen eighty-two. I didn't want to. It was a unpleasant surprise for me. I was hanging out with the bad kids at the Naval Avenue and they were concerned so they decided to send me to Catholic school and I I think I just found out a couple of days before you know they're just saying you're going to Catholic school I didn't even know what that meant you didn't even know why you were getting new clothes huh no <laughs> there was a mandatory uniform so I'm I'm glad you're doing it I didn't even know this is your first podcast but I'm back in Seattle uh, there's a couple of issues with a couple of my friends and then I, I wanted to come out and see my brother and I'm. Uh, this is a, this is very strange, you know, because I'm knowing you seventh and, and half of eighth grade, and uh, I was lucky enough to see you again, mostly because through Patton Voice. Yeah, and, some mutual friends. Yeah, and then you made this fatal mistake of becoming a comic, right? <laughs> yeah, um, Yoshi got me introduced to comedy. I was there for your first show when you did. Uh, is that what happened? I don't you remember You did that. Um, the class at Comedy Underground, and then the, the Patton brothers were like, hey, let's go see Yoshi do his first show. He took the class, and he's going to do an open mic. Wait a minute. Is that what happened? Yeah, and then... Uh, I don't remember any of that. Ten years later, you were still doing it, and then I was like, oh, how do you do this? And you're like, well, you get five minutes together, and then give me a call on a Sunday, and we'll go to Underground and, and see how it goes. So what what was it like? You know, it's um, I know you, you. At the time, of course, you have wife now, but you um, you have a wife and a couple of kids, and uh, yeah. very successful career down in Olympia, Washington, right? And I mean, were you just looking for something to do? I'm glad you're doing no, it. No, I just uh, always um, thought I was funny and thought I should get out and let it out, and then, yeah, uh, you know, it's. Now I refer to it as being addicted to like bad sex, you know, just don't, because <laughs> you never know what you're going to get, right? Sure. And uh, it's so unsatisfying a lot of times. It's like, I don't know why I do it, you know. But isn't it true? Because this is something that unless you're a comedian, they would know that, um, that, that the one time when there's room full of people and you do it and it just everything click. It makes everything worth it, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, I like to stroke my ego when I have a great show. It's like, okay, I had a great show at this room. And I start going through my head of how many people have rocked that room. You know, Sure. Uh, great um, local guys. So how, how's it going? I mean. Uh, well, I took a couple years off. Um, and then I just came back this last year. And I'm trying to do everything different and trying to have more fun with it. 
That's um, good. I don't have any delusions of grandeur that it, something's going to happen for me. I'm just. I, I think you should just do it for sake of doing it. And um, of course, I think you're smart enough to balance being funny and doing comedy and take and taking care of your responsibility. You know. Yeah, that's a tough one because it's really easy to have that desire to want to drive all over to do a show for nothing. Sure. Know? You know, so many people will let you work for free. It's awesome. That's how it is for a long time. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more often than not, I do get pay cake, but it's just nothing compared to the time you spend yeah. driving places. You know, like yeah. you just you're just happy break even these days. But you know, you know, I was here like a year ago opening for David Hell, and I was surprised. Maybe you could explain this better because I left Washington State 13 years ago. I was very surprised that out of the five or six shows that we did, two, maybe even half of it was pretty uptight about certain language and certain subject matter. But, you know, I understand if you don't know, if you're going to David Taylor show, you should know what's that about, you know. And I was pretty moderate, you know. Yeah, I went to one of those shows when we met up there. Um, but uh, we're pretty conservative. Well, I don't know if conservative is the right word, but, I mean, we definitely don't like, our Washington's not very um, accepting of any negative speech or hate speech. Or I, I think you're right. They're not. I cannot say you know the state that legalized marijuana conservative. You know, but uh, they're very sensitive. I think that's yeah, what defensive. It is. Yeah, they want to no. protect minorities, different gendered, and things like that. But it's a comedy show in David Hill. But last night when I when I work at Dave. Um, Denison's room, fantastic. I kind of um, tone it down a little bit, but I, I remember because um, you're just, pretty liberal with the fag word. <laughs> yeah. How about last night? I didn't. I didn't do it with that show, but I'm pretty liberal with all, any words actually. But, yeah. That's a... But yeah, it was great. I saw a bunch of people I haven't seen before, and Terry Taylor and Dave Dennison, you know, the listeners don't know who that is, but they'll be reopening the club where Giggles used to be. And mm-hmm. um, so it's good. But anyway, enough enough of that, um, these comedy talk. But all right, so I met you in seventh grade and you were laughing a lot. And it's always cool to talk to you because you and my other, our friend, uh, LJ, you guys all... You still have to keep contact, contact with yeah, people I mean, in seventh grade. So it was kind of nice to hear, like, oh, hey, what happened to this person, that person? Because 90% of those people I haven't seen in over 30 years. I have no idea what happened to them. Well, LJ is a neat case because our families, our fathers were in the Navy together. So I met him before I even started school, like when I was four. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I went over to their house and uh, I just saw all these kids and I was like, holy shit. That was like an introduction to school going to their house. Right. And, and, and before you continue, I got to tell them, Patton's been very good to me and my brother and a um, few uh, stabilities when I was a kid. So I've talked to them before and I tried to get him on my podcast. He's, he said no, <laughs> <laughs> very politely. But, yeah. you know, I love LJ, but man, there's no bullshitting with that guy. Once he, he has a position, a lot of things and yeah. he doesn't change, right? Yeah. We know that guy. He, he's... He's not a bullshitter, but it's funny. <laughs> I'm sure you have plenty of funny stories about him, but oh yeah, but I won't throw him under the bus. Yeah. Uh, so he, you knew them. That's cool. I, I, I didn't know you, yeah. you guys go back that far, and and um, and their father used to be a postmaster out at a Banger Base, and hired my mom 
Bangor's a submarine base, right? Submarine base. Yeah, up in I see the shows Washington. up there. Cool. And, uh, so there's just a lot of um, overlapping with our family. Yeah. So what was it like growing growing Bremerton? Because I think you laugh about 25 years ago. Money Magazine said it was the best city in America to live. Do you remember that? Um, I don't remember that, but I remember not living there. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> how happy I am to not live there. So yeah. it sucks. It's a small Navy town. Well, I think any place you live, uh, you don't really appreciate it till you move away. You know. Do you appreciate it now? Uh, I like to go back and see how much has changed. It's really um, changed a lot. The downtown's really developed and. It they is. Put in, they put in a water park and they tore up the streets and changed the whole layout. And the Admiral yeah. Theater is really nice. They do shows over there all the time. It's um, it's shocking. Like uh, the few times I've been there in the last ten, fifteen years, how small it looks now. When I was a kid, I thought, "Oh, this is this is all I need," you know. Well, do you remember J.C. Penney's being the main store? Yeah. Yeah. Now it's a they gutted it and it's just a two story parking lot. Oh man! Yeah. Well, everybody takes the ferry to Seattle from there, right? Right. Yeah, I remember there was a small strip, cl- uh, not strip, um, uh, tattoo. It was like you know, it's a navy town. You, know, you see tattoo yeah. parlor and um, money lending places and things like that. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty a uh, depressed looking area, but it's you should go back. What was the last time you were there? I can't even remember. Yeah, no, it's I I like it actually. I went there for a romantic weekend on the waterfront with my wife. There's a Hampton Inn down there, right on the waterfront. I think it's a Hampton Inn. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, it's pretty. She liked it. I I definitely want to go back. Um, that's the first four years I lived. You know, both good, bad, and ugly. But well, cool. So what what was it like? You know, like being these days being multiracial is not an issue. But what was it like? What do you, what was it like for you growing up in Bremerton? Uh, you know, um, we were, no one really knew what we were, so they just applied whatever they thought they were to our family, you know. And I remember being uh, offended when they got it wrong. And the, who the hell's going to guess Greek, Mexican, and black? So, you know, there's just a trap waiting for them to happen. I remember someone from church calling us and asking us to help, uh, supposed to pass the message on that to my mom that they needed help with like Polynesian night or something, cooking. Yeah. And I was all, uh, pissed off and hating this old lady who called in to our house to ask my mom to make yeah. like some Filipino dish or something. Cause you know, if, if, if I didn't, if I didn't talk to you and ask for your name and I didn't know you, I, I you know what? I, I would have guessed maybe Egyptian or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Usually whatever ethnic, ethnic group I'm hanging out with, that's what I am or they think I am. And, uh, I did grow up with a ton of Filipinos, especially with all the military bases. Sure. Around there. Um, I can't do a a Mexican accent to save my life, but I can trash talk a bunch of Filipino shit. So, I mean, it was annoyance, but it, it wasn't hor- horrible, I guess, what I gathered from you. You know, I didn't uh, really experience any um, racism that I recall. You know, I saw some things going on with my brother. Yeah. Um Older or younger brother? My older brother. Um, what was with, with him? Well, because every one of us, you know, for the listener, I'm the youngest of eight. Yeah. Um, the first two were deceased, uh, like, back in the 50s or something. So my parents were already, like, old, old by the time I came on the scene. But my brother's, like, seven years older than me. He um, looks significantly more black than myself, and that was uh, yeah. a little harder for the Catholic school to digest, I think. He was probably the only black-looking kid in the school. 
Is that at right? That time. At that time. Well, besides the Patton family. Yeah. Um, and he had an incident where he, they went to a day camp and somehow him and some other friends tied a kid to a tree and kicked his ass. What? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he was going to get kicked out of school for that. And then uh, he was ahead of his time in sexual activity and convinced some girl to have sex in like sixth or seventh grade. And at the start of the sea? At the start of the sea. Yeah. And they. Uh, they oh, I it. never knew this. They kicked him out over that one. And I was like in second grade and people are coming up to me. Telling me my brother's a pervert and all this stuff, and uh, I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know what ha- had happened. Um, Wait a minute. So, what roughest? I mean, what year was that when that happened? Um, let's see, second grade guy that had to be like seventy six, seventy seven. Wow. Yeah. It's weird that they they make a big. Incident. Now that we have all this inf- information about, I'm not saying they happened at the start of C, but you know, this child molestation case with Catholic Church. It's, just, it's weird that, you know, yeah. At least, mean, it, at least it was age appropriate, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, <laughs> well, I never, I, I never knew that about him, and I don't know if I ever met rest of your family. I mean, I've seen your, of course, wife and kids, but uh, Joe, you know, yeah, your sibling my... and things like that. Um, what what happened? What happened to your first? Older, I mean, obviously didn't see them, but you, you, your older two brothers. Um, the oldest brother, uh, I don't even talk to him right now because he's since our mother passed away, he's just been kind of a extremely weird, not worth the effort. Mm-hmm. Um, the middle brother, uh, he passed away in like ninety seven from AIDS. And then the closest brother to me, we're still very close. Um, yeah. He lives over in, in Port Orchard, which is the Bremerton area. Yeah. Um, and he's a, a lifer car salesman. You're, so, I mean, I, you know, we could stop. You don't have, you could pass over. But I think I vaguely recall now, but um, what, 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 oh, how, how did that whole thing happen with your second brother? I mean, uh Oh, with him passing away, and yeah. Oh, well, he was uh, a hairstylist in the Bay Area, and he was. Uh, he was gay. Yeah, he was gay, yeah. and uh, he uh, got HIV positive, and I went down, and I had this awesome plan that I was going to go live with him, um, and just to keep him company. Yeah. Um, but then I only did it for like a couple months, and I came back because I was uh, I had left my girlfriend who was going to be my future first wife Yeah, to go down and do that. But really I should have just taken that time to break up with her and then restart my life over down there. But <clears throat> I wasn't that smart then. So, so looking back, you wish you would have just stayed down there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She was a monster. Um, did you, did you know right away? When, when did you know your brother was gay? Oh, I knew since I was like a little kid. Okay. Uh, was it that as, obvious? Um, no, I mean, cause he was significantly older than me and I, and I apologize to him because I can't remember how much older he was. Yeah. Um, but like right around second or third grade, he moved to the Bay Area to go go to hair school. Um, and uh, I know your family's Catholic. So was that an issue? I'm, that's kind of stuff always is, is interesting to me. Um, no, I think my dad um, was uh, had some tendencies as well. And he said he knew my brother was gay from the time he was little. I see. And uh when my father passed away, some things came out about him 
I see. That he said when he was uh, on his uh, last leg there, he was saying that he kind of went both ways and on Wednesday nights. Did he told you that? <laughs> he told my sister that. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and then uh, was it was he uh, was he married to your mother at the time or? Oh yeah, they were married forever. I mean, for like almost fifty years. And was she was she in denial about it, or she was cool about there it? There was a couple of incidences where he was hanging out with a, a local musician, and uh, mm-hmm. they were getting a little uh, close. Yeah. Uh, too close all the time and always yeah. partying, always hanging out together. My mom was uh, calling him out on it. Oh, is that right? Um, I, I, yeah. We, we yeah, aware? she was like, yeah, I knew I knew um, something was up and something was not right because, I mean, we would go to picnics and my dad was acting way too uh, feminine for the time. I see. And uh, it was weird. Um, but she yelled at him and... We didn't hang out with those people anymore, and yeah. then it went away. And then you know yeah. he probably just got more discreet, and I didn't realize because he I was see. he was always out. You know, when when you when you're a kid, you don't want to be called names, and you 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 say some horrible stuff. But um, what, what do you? How do you feel about the whole thing? Like to me, like maybe. Maybe that made him. I don't know if you, obviously your mother wasn't happy about it, but I think she was more embarrassed. They were very. Uh, oh, is that right? Yeah. Because you know, um, I'm probably not saying his right name right. Ian McCon, very famous British actor. He, he's gay, and he was saying that in like in the 40s and 50s, there's no way you could come out. You know, you could probably get present in prison back in those right. days. You know, yeah. and those days for gay men to express their feelings there's only very few feel and then you know he went acting because in acting it's okay to show that kind of full range of emotion you know right and um i think it's good that um people are able to be who who they really are and you know well i think i'd like to add to that that how old my parents really were my dad was born in 1928 my parent my mom was born in uh, 32 Right. So, I mean, they were very old school and they grew up in the Depression. Sure. Or, you know, their first couple of years of life anyways. And uh, stigma and shame must be really strong. Back right. I mean, days. plus yeah. you're already compensating for being a minority at that time. Yeah. There's no way you're going to be gay or bi or whatever my dad truly was. Sure. But. And... You know, you know, I, I think you know Brody Stevens, right? Yeah, yeah. He does this joke where, "Hi, my name is Brody Stevens, and and I'm ten percent gay, or whatever, whatever, right?" But I think it's sure. I think, I think if people are being honest, I don't think they're all hundred percent heterosexual or hundred percent gay. I think they have. I don't. Know, I, I think people have a ex, small percentage of something else, and I think you change when you get older too. I think you know. Um, what do you think? You think you think your father would have been very uh, surprised how it is now? Um, I don't think so because I think uh, if he was really part of that community that I suspect he was, I think there was enough um, an underground community where I believe Wednesday night was a gay night. Yeah. Um, and he was uh, a vet and belonged to the VFW and Fleet Reserve. Sure. And all these guys knew each other, and yeah. you know, they'd all been on ships together. And uh, I think there was probably a pretty um, large unspoken community that probably existed. And yeah, they probably just had uh, rules of engagement. 
that we can't understand. And I never had. I wish I would have had a conversation with him about it. Uh, yeah. So, so you never had um, an open sexual conversation with my father. Yeah. No, he said a lot of weird shit in that time, and I just shied away from it. Yeah. And I'd be like, look at him, like, what the hell are you talking about? But I think in your case, I, I, you're lucky. I think in that. If you want to have a conversation, he would have had it with you, right? He would have. Yeah. He would have. Because, I mean, he tried to have heterosexual-based conversations with me, but I didn't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, so I'm sure he would have, uh, who knows what him and my deceased gay brother probably talked about. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think that really was an option with my situation, you know. And I, you, you know, you know, you never, you're never judgmental with me. I work in that business for a long time. And the ironic thing is, I think porn may be more open-minded about that stuff, you know. And not to mention, Jesus, how many hundreds of transgender porn I've done, you know. I mean, that, <laughs> and hanging out with Jim Norton, you know, he was very open about having sex with transsexual people. Yeah, too. I mean, he does that one bit. I went to one of his shows. I've yeah. only been to one. Uh, he does that bit about being a little kid blowing other little kids. Yeah. Monster and, when he was a little kid. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm sure that was based in some sort of reality, right? I yeah. Mean, no, that's hundred percent reality. I mean, that really happened, you know? And I think kids are curious that that shame <laughs> thing comes from adults later on, you know? Right. And, but I, I, um, I'm always been like very proud that like, you know, when you you just think of uh, your friends like meatheads, but like you, I know you're a good father, very good father. Our mutual friend Tom too always surprised me because you know you just remember the meathead part. You don't yeah. think about nurturing part, you know. So I think I think just about every one of my friends are great, make an effort. But this is the shit I don't like when I hear when whenever I'm doing a show or anything related to sex, some parents are really uncomfortable talking about it. And they'll say like, well, I don't want to talk to my kids about sex or whatever. It makes me uncomfortable. You don't get to choose when you're a parent. You're a parent. You have to be a parent 24-7. And don't tell me you're uncomfortable because you're, you're basically saying just because you're uncomfortable, you're not going to help your kid to and protect him in this sometimes horrible world, right? That's right. just selfish, you know? Put that shit aside. You, don't, don't act like parent is tough now than say 200 years ago when they were dealing with other crazy shit too, you know, but, um, I'm glad that you're, you're this open. I'm sure you help your kids, right? Well, okay. as you may recall, uh, my oldest son is a transgender, um, drag queen. Yeah. And that's presented a lot of, uh, challenges and surprises. You know, I didn't expect, uh, right around his 18th birthday to be dress shopping. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and Your that son, literally happened. I mean, yeah, I believe you. And um, when I saw him first time, lovely kid. I think the two times when he was a little boy, you know, he was a nice, sweet kid. Uh, I don't remember where where I went in uh, Brahm near Bremerton. Were you living in Bremerton or? Um, I lived in Bremerton till probably he was about five. I think I was visiting you and your, your Vietnamese wife, and like he was sweet. And um, for some reason, didn't know how sweet he was. <laughs> for, for some reason, I don't know. Was he into military stuff? But he was doing kind of funny salute, and like he, you know, he was just very polite. Then I didn't see him for years yeah. until Jesus, what three, four years ago? Yeah, and he came down for a weekend. Yeah, know. and 
for a second, I thought he was into like a goth stuff, but I didn't, I didn't, after talking to him a few minutes, like, oh, I, I didn't know this, you know? And yeah. he, he was very polite with me. My only concern at the time was, um, I don't have, I don't have an issue, but the in, rest in, of the world, you know, Olympia, Washington, it's a, go, a, a state capital, a lot of government people, and they're very uh, astute, I think most people, about being nice to people, different color and gender and things like that. Yeah, but, down in Olympia, we're very uh, accepting and, and uh, open towards the transgender community. And yeah. A lot of transgender bathrooms and establishments. And sure. and It's a great place for him to live, but it also gives him a false sense of security for the, how the rest of the world's going to treat right. him. Right, and... And, uh, I don't think he can leave Olympia, honestly. And or or San Francisco, but um, but yeah. you're right. I think it does seem like Olympia is the safer place right now because yeah. I mean, I, I, at the time, I, I I didn't want you to take it wrong. I, I didn't I, mean, I didn't mean this as a sarcastic statement, but um, <laughs> after seeing him, and he was giving his cousin a hard time. That that made me laugh, you know. And um, he was a little bossy with him. Mm-hmm. I, and and you didn't take it wrong, but all I said was, Ruben, do, do you think your son needs a punch in the face? Because <laughs> there's a part of this country, Jesus, they will not tolerate and they might do something about it. That was my biggest concern with your son. Mm-hmm. He's a scrapper, though. I mean, he might uh, dress and drag and act all feminine, but yeah, we've had some father and son blowouts. Oh, did you? Yeah, well, we freaking threw down, and that kid can give it and take it. I thought I didn't think we were gonna have to go that far. Yeah, uh, but they got pretty ugly. Well, how, how's it? How's it now? Now that he's graduating this year, right? He should be. Yeah, and yeah. how how is it? He, he he's happy and uh, uh, he's gotten happier. His his main problem is just the stress of hey, I got to be an adult any second. Right, and he's not really preparing himself or dealing with it. He's kind of in denial. Yeah, it's um, but I don't think that has anything to do with being transgender. It has to do with him being a rockhead. Yeah, he's yeah. a, it's a it's, you know seventeen, eighteen year old. That's true for 19. any, any, yeah, nineteen, whatever boy. Yeah, um, so you know all this, you know all this bullshit is going to North Carolina with um, transgender use in certain bathroom, which bathroom, and all this talk, but. I, I am literally. I, I was surprised about Bruce Jenner. You know, uh, and I think he's helping a lot of people. Yeah. What did you think? I well, mean, we, that, we're, we grew up in seventies. We remember that guy. I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. He was. I remember um, sitting there because I always thought I was going to be an artist and drawing uh, muscles and practicing sketching and using the you Wheaties were very box. Good at it. Yeah. Yeah, using the Wheaties box to uh, that Bruce Jenner was on to uh, look at the definition in his arms. And, and those of you 25 and younger, if you're listening to this, I don't know if they are, but <laughs> man, he was massive. And I mean, I can't even describe how, how big of a star he was. I mean, eight, what was it, eight gold medals? I mean, I don't even know, but it was, there was no one bigger. Yeah. And then no one more manly, you know? Right. And, and it just looked like he was very um, humble. Yes. He just had this humble vibe to him that was awesome, you know? Yeah. And is it, is it, I just wonder if he was born now, if he would have been that motivated because he was saying he had these feelings that he was fighting it and that he didn't want to reveal. I don't think so. I think if he had been um, able to be who he was sooner, he wouldn't have had that drive or that desire to compensate. 
Oh, you know, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah. I, I, I think um, he, he, he didn't want the people to know who he really was at the time. So, I, I, I don't know where, but I read that that motivated me. But, but talk about huge motivation. I mean, he just dominated the whole thing, you know. Yeah. And I also read when he gives speeches and things like that, he's, he'll be in suit, and underneath it, he, he was wearing women's outfit, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when his um, special came out, um, it was like an hour long or something. I can't remember who. Terrible memory, sorry. Uh, but Caitlin's story came out. I tried to watch it with my son, and he just wouldn't have any. Because I thought I might start some dialogue between us, and we could understand each other better. Yeah. Um, but no, he just didn't want to watch it with me. What a little jerk. <laughs> you know. You, you think he's having. I mean, it's not even transgender stuff. I think. Do kids really like to talk to. I mean, do they actually want to talk to their parents about that stuff? Um, or does he talk to his mom about it? No, he doesn't talk to her about it. Um, he. Uh, I think he wants to be more secretive just so he can have more ammunition to look at me and say, You don't understand me. You yeah. Know? You don't. I can't do dishes. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, a argument recently about mowing the lawn. I don't do yard work. What? Yeah. Because I said, "Hey, mow the lawn," you know, and it's not that big of a lawn. You know, I live in the city. And he just refused, and I had to take away his car for a couple of days, and yeah. then he finally, he finally agreed to mow the lawn, and then he got his car back. But I mean, it, it got pretty ugly. Yeah. And if it had been us a couple years prior, it probably would have got physical. But we've gotten past that. Um, or I've matured and he's matured that we're just not going to go there anymore. I'm too old to be fighting. I don't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. But uh, I, I guess you're in a better place, right? I mean, uh, with him. Uh, it's still revealing itself. You know, it's tough because uh, we've got our blended family with my uh, my wife. She's not... Uh, she wants him to be just a better person in general. It's hard for her to accept. And then I've kind of already gotten very tolerant of, uh, I don't know, humoring him and his lifestyle and his sure. attitude and, you know, letting him get away with shit. So. Yeah. That's a, that these days is, uh, I don't think there's only one way, you know, you, I'm sure your parents' generation probably thought there's only one way to be a proper right. happy family, right? And I think there's more option, but I, I, I just hope, um, I just hope that uh, he become less meathead because I remember when I was that age, Jesus, I was a big, giant meathead. So, did you? So I guess you never talked to him about your second oldest brother and the whole thing. You know, I tried, and um, there's a little bit of a legacy i mean because my son's really into uh, he's going to school for cosmetology right now yeah and he's he loves to do nails and my brother had his own salon yeah and he collected um you remember the uh 80s art from nagel yeah those stylized pictures that were in every salon and still are in all the vietnamese nail salons yeah. now and so he had a really good collection um and they were just sitting in my mother's closet and when she passed away i got him for him you know um, what was what was his reaction he was like, yeah, whatever, but he's there. He has about eight hanging in his room now. Okay. That, you know, I was trying to draw a connection to like, hey, our family's gone through this before. It's okay. Yeah. This was everyone's favorite brother. Um, yeah. It's not a stopping point at all. You know, let's, let's get over it, you know. 
But so uh, what nothing we, seems to sink in with this kid. That's yeah, like, yeah. I think I think give him a time. You know, like I I was here. You know, my my two two friends of mine were ill, and and the third my friend uh, issue with his son. And um, when I talked to him, it's like I think that's just a common, I guess. You know, they're just they're becoming a man, and they don't know where they stand in the world, and. Of course, as a father, so you want to help them to make sure they don't make the same mistakes you have, you know. Yeah, well, you're supposed to butt heads so they leave the nest, right? Yeah. So they get out, or else they're never going to get out. But I think he wants to butt heads and stay. Right. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your second oldest brother's name? Uh, Edward. And what what was your um, the like like last? Were you, were you able to spend a bit of time with him, like, like last uh, year of his life? Um, or? Yeah, um, we uh, communicated on the phone a lot, and then I went down, and I thought I was going to get a job and start my life over there just to spend time with him. Yeah. Um, but I remember going to uh, the doctor with him to get shots in his eyes because he was having uh, um, herpes in his eyes. Oh, Jesus. And it was yeah. scarring over and making him blind. And at that time, I have no idea what's going on in the community now, but uh, at that time, you'd have to go in and get shots right in your eyeball. And what? Yeah, so I went with him to get his first round of shots in his eyes, and I remember him uh, um, going to the doctor's office and getting his shots, and then he was all freaked out before and after, and then he kept it together till we got to the elevator to leave, and then he started crying in the elevator. Yeah. Yeah, it just broke my heart, you know, to see your um your brother slowly going blind. And uh then he uh the very last days, I don't know what was going on, but he couldn't use his mouth. Yeah. So he was a big time smoker and yeah. you know, when you're dying, you're not going to stop smoking. Why? Sure. You know. Yeah. So he was actually using one hand to hold his lips together so he could hold the cigarette in his mouth and and the other hand to hold the cigarette. So what? he could smoke. And, uh, he couldn't. He was losing the ability to talk, and he was a big talker, way more than myself. So he was. I'm sure it had a lot to, to do with bad timing because I mean, you know, we were kids of uh, 70s and 80s, and back then, you know, when you hear stuff like um, in the 80s, well, when did I hear for, uh, the whole AIDS thing really? In the eighties, you just heard some mysterious disease in like a uh, San Francisco area, right? Right. Like, and and a lot of people thought only gay people got it, right? Which is right. crazy. And um, when Magic Johnson, you got to mention that, right? Like like a ninety or ninety one. Yeah, and he's like, still going. You know, they had yeah. it at the same time, and Bunny definitely made a difference because my brother's dead and he isn't, right? And if. I, I would imagine if he knew all, all the things that we know about the precaution about safe sex and things like that, I, I think, well, what do you think? He should, he, chances are he'd probably be alive, right? I don't know. I got the impression from him um, that he was pretty freaky for quite a while. He was reckless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's weird is his boyfriend at the time didn't get it. You know, I think he's still alive. Oh, so you think he got it from somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't pass it on to his uh I see. His long term boyfriend. But like a lot of long term relationships, they might not have been having sex that much. Right. So that's probably why my brother was catting around doing other things. I see. Cause, you know, I work for Evil Angel. Both of my boss ex bosses had uh, HIV and um 
I, I didn't really think much of it. And what I was surprised, you know, with them was it didn't pass on to their kids. That that was the part that was just amazing. But it, that's more common than not, you know. It just in the states, I think. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Um, I I still don't understand it, but people there's few people explain me the miracle. I mean, uh, medicine behind it, but it's it's more common than not, I guess, in the states. And yeah, it's just it's amazing that breakthrough in, in medical field. Um, so I, I, I obviously you loved your brother and you, you know you dealt with this. I can't even, I can't even imagine what was going through with you. I mean, it must have been. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's tough. You know, I have uh, vivid memories of seeing my brother in the casket and yeah, and just things you don't ever think you're going to have to deal with. Yeah, you can't prepare yourself to deal with. You know, right? He was a young man for God's sake. Yeah. yeah. Um, how how did your family? Did you guys talk about it, or how did you? Um, you know, the craziest things is um, two of my sisters are hardcore Pentecostal, and prior to when he got sick, and prior to him dying, one of them believed they had a conversation with God, and if they could get the family together every Sunday uh, to pray for an hour, um, he would be spared. Yeah, and you know, we did it for a while, and uh, part of us were just humoring her. Um, all of us wanted to believe it, and we did it for a while, and then it, it faded away like family things do, and it turned into arguments. And yeah. and then when that fell apart, then he did pass away. Um, that sister really blamed herself. Like, how could I have let go of that that promise? Yeah. And, you know, I let him die kind of thing. And all of us in the back of our minds, we believed, oh, you know, what if we hadn't <laughs> hadn't blown that, you know? Yeah. But, uh you know, it is what it is. Can't go back. And uh, I go back and forth on faith all the time, too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had no idea that you were going through all this. I never knew, you know, because. Um, well, I imagine. You always it. struck me like a happy guy. And I, I, I yeah. do think you're a happy guy, but. For the most part, I think yeah. I'm a happy guy because I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't care about a lot of things. So I just let it roll off my back, you know. Yeah. Uh, has comedy helped in a way? Because it, it, it helped when I have a good show. <laughs> um, you know, that when my life is really happy, I'm I'm just not that funny. Yeah. Um, so the more tragedy, the better. Sure. Um, so I probably make tragedy or, you know, complications in my life or dwell on things just to get humor out of it. Um, but it's, it's a fine line, isn't it? Like, it's okay to talk about that, but at the same time, you don't want to forget that you don't want to make them feel bad for you. You, you know how to do this. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know how to I mean, talk about tragedy in a funny way that they could appreciate it. Yeah, I remember. I remember, like the next day after my uh, my nana died, um, which is actually my great aunt, but we called her grandma because my real grandma was just nuts. Yeah. Um, I I went on stage and I talked about the last few minutes of her existence, sure, and how the family was acting, and in my mind, it was hilarious. But it just killed the show and it killed the room and it was just it was just tragic. <laughs> and uh one of my friends, uh Jeremy Whitman Jeremy Whitman caught me right after the show. He's like, Comedy is time plus tragedy. Tragedy, no time, not funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, You might be right. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, that was uh 
comedy has helped quite a bit and I can't even articulate how because it's just it just changes you you know um, well you know it's it's I think you probably agree with me even if you've seen some comedian who is your friend for years it's like opening the same page you stop last you just kind of continue on it's like nothing has passed between you know because you know Cliff Barnes um no He's a, he's a, he's a, oh yeah, yeah, old black guy. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's like fixture in the Seattle comedy <clears throat> scene. And yeah, I just talked. I saw him, and you know, it's weird. Like I thought I knew the guy, but when I um, talked to him in the podcast, there's a bunch of shit. Like holy shit, I never do that, you know. And like what? Well, you know, comic named Al Fox. Yeah, we talk about the infamous thing when I ended up choking him on stage right. and he told me something about him I I didn't know until like 16 years later you know I didn't know he was taking some kind of medication and um, he mixed it with alcohol that's why he was loopy about the whole night he just ended up throwing a glass of beer on my face you know mm-hmm. and um, I had no idea and I think I told I'm, I'm pretty sure this episode will be right after his but I was choking the fuck out of this guy and and um, Cliff being older, older, he's 66, 65, 66 this year. At least, yeah. Yeah. He, he looks 30. He's like a fucking Benjamin Butner <laughs> over there. And, but he lived in Seattle. I think you you're know, being generous. He, yeah. He, he, um, I'm sure he dealt with racism like shit that I didn't see because, you know, he's that's old, old enough yeah. that he, and he knows you don't just grab somebody when they're that angry. He knew how to handle that whole. So what I'm trying to say is he probably saved me from going to prison because I think I was ready to just pummel his face in, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, um, what did I bring? Cliff so, for- so Cliff was there. He's uh, he saved your future. Yeah, because everybody in the audience just wanted me to just beat the shit out of him, and Clifford just had enough sense to come up and you know calm me down. You know, he he uh, he did the right thing because. When I get that angry riled up, I don't know when to stop, you know. Um, yeah, so I've heard. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even know you didn't see me beat that kid up when the kid in, uh, started. In grade seeing, school? Yeah. yeah. He was har- harassing the kids locally. They broke, started his um, school window and beat up my brother or tried to beat up my brother, harassing La- Lars, uh, one of the pen boys, and stole their basketball. I don't know. They were doing all kinds of shit. So, Who's the kid's name? Who's ass you kicked? They don't even go to start to see some local kids, but I, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons, I made a map. I, I had everybody's role and, you know. So messed up with your role playing games? Yeah. <laughs> Lars is black, so I told him to say something stupid, uh, yell at those kids. The kid was riding a bicycle. He followed Lars into the parking lot of start to see, and my brother was behind the fence, and as soon as the kid walked in, he closed the gate. And I was hiding behind that nun's parking lot. Remember nun's parking? Yeah, I yeah. do. That carport. Right that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I had black t-shirt and black jeans and I had my hair all covered up. And sh- sure enough, uh, I'll probably talk about it in the later episodes, but I just ran up and started, kicked the kid in the head. He, he didn't know what hit him. And I uh, just gave him a beating of his life. And um, So you you first made this story sound like uh, this kid was picking on Lars and then you might have defended him but now it sounds like you baited a kid into a trap and you kicked his ass after it sounded like more of a random act of violence it was not i don't i don't think it's <laughs> random because bro- broken window harassing my brother stole the basketball beat lars and beat other cu- couple kids around the neighborhood and uh um 
weird thing with Fred. You think you're a victim, but you're the fucking bully here. Oh no, no, I'm not a victim. I'm there. I ha- I know the victims. They, they didn't do anything to me. You're yeah. right. You're right about that. <laughs> they didn't do anything to me. But uh, goddamn vigilante. Yeah, that uh, that's true. And you know what's so weird? That was 1983, right? That's right. 1983. Almost exactly. Not exactly. About 20 years later. Here I am in Japan beating my stepmother. So, yeah, uh, I just remember I was pummeling that kid's face into the ground, and then next thing you know, what? I mean, twenty years later, I'm doing the same thing to my step uh, stepmother. And so, how many years left do we have to your next assault? What was it? Twenty to uh, twenty um, <laughs> twenty 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 three. But twenty twenty three. All right. I I don't know what I did. Al Fox thing, you know, this must be early. Oh, that's kind of messing up your timetable. Timetable a little bit. <laughs> so that happened, but um, I remember the last. Is la- he still around, Al Fox? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't do comedy anymore, but it's uh, A-L-F-O-X-X.com, I think, Al Fox. You know, but I didn't know I was moving out of um, Bremerton halfway through eighth grade. You know, something goofy happened with my aunt. She thought she fell in love with this guy. Nothing ever came out of it, but I had to move to Tacoma, Washington, and uh, that was a that was really bad for me. And but the last day, the last school day of uh, December 1983, after we finished school, I'm walking back to school, uh, home. The kid's mother. This is like three, four months later. She finally found me. I don't know how she found me, but she she walked up to me. I think my brother was around a couple other kids. She walked up with me with a crowbar. <laughs> and I, I and I thought she was gonna hit me, but I kind of. She just asked you, "Hey, is this your crowbar? What happened?" No. She's like, "I know who you are. I know what you did. Right? What's your name? Right?" This is a stupid question because there was three of you. Right? It, it's just like all I said was Mickey Mouse and like balls on that kid, you know. And like I didn't even know where that come from. I'm not getting mouthy, but I was really scared. But I thought there's no way she's gonna adults gonna help me with a crowbar. She was, I, I don't know what was, I mean, you know, to her, every shitty kid's parents are going to be, my son is perfect, you know, but she she doesn't know that, well, I did give him a pretty bad beating, but. Uh, um, she didn't realize if she'd have knocked on your parents' door that they would have kicked your ass? Yeah. And they would have believed her? Oh, I'm sure. They're, they're probably worried about lawsuit and shit like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was lost my memory. Like, then... That happened. They called my house. I don't know who they talked to, but I think she, when she talked to somebody at the, the start of the sea, they kind of told them all the shit that her son was doing. So I think she calmed down, but um, yeah, eventually they call me. Somebody called me, her and somebody at school called me, but I didn't know that I wasn't going back. You know, I think a couple of days later, they shipped me to Tacoma, Washington, and that was it. You know, uh, happy birthday. Today's Yoshi's birthday. Um, there's a birthday story from when our oh, we were yeah. kids. You should tell it because your memory's better on it than me. You told me the my recollection that um, you told me it was your birthday, birth, and this this coming up weekend is your birthday, and this is how dumb I am. Uh, <laughs> I I believed it, and it was April Fool's Day, right? And you told me like it was your birthday or something like that. Did I show up? I'm the only idiot showed up because I didn't couldn't I couldn't infer from what you were saying that it was a joke. And of course, 
I don't know what I bought. I bought something. I went over there, and there's sure enough, there's nobody there. No party, nothing. Nothing. Man. And our friend, man, that guy, he was <laughs> cackling the next week following Monday. <laughs> you know how Fred laughs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fred's oh, an, it sounds like a toucan. Infectious laughter and just crazy. Yeah. It just made him so happy. And remember, um, <laughs> there was another party that I was invited, but somehow he broke Curtis Smith's arm or something he broke yeah. somebody's arm um i had a big sleepover party at my house um and we were playing um By the basically way, if, hide if, and go seek if, with you, if you would have invited me i wouldn't have gone because i wouldn't believe it so. <laughs> uh we we actually uh butted heads quite a bit back then i probably didn't invite you and we already met our minor minority quota yeah so. it's all white <laughs> except kenneth gloria filipino guy Two black kids, me, and you. Was there any other ethnic person there? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. It all was so. all white. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like the same 30 kids for like eight years. Yeah, I'm sure you guys got... Did you get tired of it? That's like... There's only... Like, well, you get hit puberty. Who the hell are you going to date? This yeah. girl's been your sister forever. You know, it's kind of weird. It's weird that um, it's the same... Just about the same... X amount of kids to move every year, and it's, it's the same people year after year, right? Yeah, there's a core group that just seems to yeah. stay there, and and I'm still friends with a lot of them. It's weird. Surpri- uh, um, surprisingly, I that's the only access. That's the furthest I have access to. I don't have access to memories six, before that. Fo- yeah, because everybody went on their own ways, and only other person I knew is the guy in Japan, but. It's a kid I used to hang out a lot, but you know, like when you don't see when you don't see them, you only, if you only see them like once or twice in thirty five years, it's really hard to keep track, you know. Well, Facebook helps now. Yeah, but I don't think it's good. But I'm glad you tell me because it it kind of brings back memory. Like I'm just curious what happened to them, you know. And do you ever mm-hmm. watch that documentary Seven Up? Never heard of it. It's fantastic. It's by BBC. Started like almost 60 years ago. So it's called Seven Up because when they documented these kids in Great Britain, they're seven years old. Uh-huh. And what they do is they make a documentary every seven years of what's going on with their lives. So there's Seven Up, 14, 21, 28, 35, 42, 49. And I think they just did one, uh, 56, you know. And it's interesting when you watch it, certain kids like, ooh, this kid's going to have a problem, you know, like right. no father, this and that. And you kind of watch them and, uh, I've been watching. I, I mean, they're older than me, but I really enjoy watching this. Like, I'm curious what happened to them. And you and LJ, not so much with um, Fred. I don't think Fred really keep track of them. But it's fun talking to you because, like, you'll tell me like what happened to this person that. I'd like, I really, I really like it. it, it um, Those random updates, of yeah. random people. Yeah, I don't even know why we care, but I like it too. Yeah. There was part of. I mean, you know, I had issues at home, but there was part of it was fun because I think meeting you and the Patton family, they really helped me because um, I've said this before. Well, you know what? Um, as a Patton story, uh, we were really close um, for a long time. And then like sixth or seventh grade, I started hanging out with a kid in my neighborhood, um, damn public school kids. And yeah. uh, his thing was to climb over fences and break into sheds and steal tools and give them to his dad to sell and um, give it to who for he would give he was a divorced kid and back then you know 
early 80s, 70s, most people had both parents, right? Yeah. Um, but this kid was... <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this kid was stealing tools and giving them to his dad to sell, who was in the next town over. Um, and dad knew the kid was stealing. Yeah, he was... St- there was a ring, basically. Uh, and I started hanging out with this kid and getting a little uh, wilder. And I had a sleepover and might not have been a sleepover. Anyways, it was dark and we were outside playing hide and go seek. And instead we went up the street and uh, broke windows in a trailer. Yeah. And then someone came out and yelled at us. Yeah. And so we ran back to my house and then the cops came and all these canines were running around my yard. And the cops knocked on our door and said, hey, do you have kids here? And my mom said, yes. And he said, okay, that'll do. And next thing you know, we were in a cop car and we got, all got arrested. What? And uh, they didn't tell you this. Um, they no. stopped talking to me after that. <laughs> the patents? Yeah, they, talk, they didn't talk to me for a couple of years. I yeah. never knew that. Yeah, because I had uh, tarnished them. <laughs> well, I mean, and and Lal Jahan, I remember. Oh, I shouldn't say his whole name, huh? It's just LJ. Yeah. Um, we were sitting there in the uh, little detainment cell, and uh, the cops were asking us questions, and I was trying to lie the best. Uh, a kid right. can lie, and uh, but they uh, didn't see this, right? Oh, they were they were down the street actually, but they were with our group. Wait, you used to live right by them? No, they were over at my house by the lake. Oh, so while they were visiting, while they were visiting, me and this, uh, hoodlum, I never knew this. We broke some windows, and uh, they were part of our group, and we all got arrested. But when they were questioning us. The but they boys. didn't do that, right? No, they didn't. They yeah, kept, I can't imagine patent boys doing that. They kept saying, I wasn't there when it happened. I wasn't there when it happened. And, and I kept saying, nothing happened. Wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> so wait, 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 wait. <laughs> no, wait. So Fred and LJ was there? Yeah. And they're sleepover, right? Right. And you with this kid from public school did this while they were staying there? Well, we were all outside playing in the dark. Oh. And we were running around playing hide-and-go-seek or doing whatever we were doing. Right. We? And there was a trailer for sale up the street, and we, I see. we broke the windows out. Well, um, I don't, I don't know how much it had to do with them making that decision. I have a hard, to, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but if I have to make a guess, I know, I, I love his their parents, and Mrs. Patton from Louisiana, and man, she, I cannot imagine the racism bullshit that she have to deal with, and you know. I think it's safe to say they have a probably history of corruption with police. Wouldn't you say New Orleans, you know? I would think so. Yeah. She probably saw some shit and told her kids, you're not playing with that damn yeah, little half-breed and, kid anymore. And I mean, <laughs> and it's hard for kids to understand, like, someone, like, 20 years or younger, like, if you're not doing anything, you're not going to get in trouble. But believe me, even if you have a per- – and they were perfect kids as far as when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. Scan of their color will always attract other kids or cops, you know. So um, I could imagine because his parents, they had a tight reign. Like, you know, they, they're very protective and make sure they, she's just Mrs. Pan, like a master chess, pl- uh, chess player. She knows three or four moves that hit. So she, she was simply protecting the kids, I'm sure, you know. I remember always being in the kitchen watching boxing. Oh, with them? <laughs> yeah, when yeah. you'd go to their house. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was always watching boxing and hanging out in the other room and. She's great. You know, yeah. she she said something. Um, she she loved uh, suspense novels, suspense movies, uh-huh. crime, and things like that. But 
you know, she she told me recently, like, no, I don't like comedy, right? <laughs> you know what? She said, I never liked Bill Cosby. Never that, never well. And this is even before all this nonsense. Before it came yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can't bullshit that lady. I think she just see through people if they're good or bad. But I'm, I'm glad you're allowed to be part of uh, friendship and stuff. When did you knew everything was cool again? You know, I don't think we started hanging out again until their father died, and then I met up with them at the funeral. Are you serious? Yeah. It took a death <laughs> to let go of that. Uh, I didn't I didn't sense that. I had to, um, this is all news to me. Like, seventh grade, we were hanging out, playing in the playground. I can't remember what grade it was. It must have been, like, eighth grade. Like, right after that, after you were gone. and Oh, that's when it happened? Probably, because you weren't around. Um, oh, okay, so that makes sense, because I didn't sense that at all. You, you didn't know the story. No, 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 yeah, no, no. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were t- it happened before that. No, no, we were a little older. I it's see. Just before I went to high school. But you, you went to old day high school? No, I, I um, begged You're... my way to go to public school. I see. I thought I was going to get laid. <laughs> okay, this explained to me, like, okay, so you were doing... I was sad that I didn't go to uh, all day because this, it took me, you know, ethnically Korean. My mother's from Korea. She raised me a little different. And you don't want to be different in Japan because you get picked on, man. It's just, it, it, it's, it's a systematic problem in Japan. It's called Ijiman. And every September, first week of September, a little before school starts, the suicide of kids spike. It's it's horrendous in Japan. And Really? Oh, yeah. Um, I know there's a suicide. The kids, the kids rather kill themselves than go back to school. This is not a joke. It's a massively big problem in Japan, and uh, most kids tolerate. I think the thinking behind kids is, if somebody's weird, you you harass them, beat them until they change and become normal like everyone else. Well, it doesn't quite work like that, you know, with some of the kids. And my situation is, and once again, you'll you'll find a pattern. Second grade. I'm getting beat up every fucking day walking to school. It's the same five or six kids running home. What, what, what's beating up? Pushing you around, grabbing your backpack? Spitting and kicking. And when you're under that, you just kick and shit like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But the, I think that the psychological part was worse. Like the people constantly telling you're different, so you got to get picked on. But um, What were they calling you? No. Oh. Some racial slurs, I'm sure. Not racial, because everybody look. They all look the same chinky ways, you know. So that wasn't an issue. But uh, my mother had a complete disregard. She uh, she tricked me one time and said, "Hey, I'll buy your toy if you get a new haircut." And sure, and she let these people give me a perm. This is like, <laughs> can you imagine? I just remember you with this uh, awesome uh, bowl cut. Forever. Yeah. I much prefer that than um, the perm that she gave me in like mid to late seventies. Everybody had a ball hair, you know, look like you put a ball on your top of your head and just cut around it. Everybody looked like in Japan, right? And my mother had these people in Korea give me a perm, and I look like I have an afro, right? I look like a Jackson Six right there, and of course I would beat up me too if I if you see a kid that looked like that, and then uh, I was getting my ass kicking sure enough like there was a guy in my neighborhood i'm pretty sure it was yakuza but he got tired of me seeing me crying every day he said i did you do something about it i'm gonna fucking kill you that's how that, that's how they he, talked he told you that yeah he was threatening me because he got tired of me crying back home loud yeah. <laughs> being a fucking drama queen and um 
he doesn't need to be stopped, you know. So I put big chunk of metal plates, metal shit in my umbrella, and I just took that to school. And sure enough, shortly after, they're chasing me. And he just said, "You can't beat a four or five. You just have to beat one really bad. Then another one will think about it twice." It, it, he he turned out to be true. And uh, and that was the beginning of the perm kuza. Yeah, and I <laughs> I put this kid in the hospital. I didn't know I could do that to someone. Really? Yeah. In second grade? Oh, I just keep, no matter how much other kid was hitting, he told me just focus on one. Just you just have to be one badly enough. And uh I was a tallest I was probably You were like, a tall kid, yeah. Tall kid. Well you're tall now. But um there's when there's four or five, you know it doesn't matter how tall you are. Yeah, sure enough this kid got beat up and sure enough the mother show up a couple of days later, got yelled at. My dad and my mom got a cake, and I had to walk next door apologizing to them. Like, <laughs> With the cake? <laughs> you Napoleon a, Dynamite? Yeah, you had to take a cake over. I don't know why we had to do this. We're like, why am I, why am I apologizing to this kid? <laughs> if I, if, you know, because my mom, my dad never hit me, but my mom will fucking physically threaten you. She, she just resolved everything with violence. I think that's where I got it from my mother. And uh, yeah, but my dad bought a really nice, very expensive cheesecake or something. We had to go next door and apologize, you know. And we had to do this fake therapy, like my parents are sorry and that they're, they're his parents are sorry. And shortly enough, shortly afterwards, I don't know if it was they were planning to move or they had to move, but they moved. And I didn't see him years later. And he was friendly then. <laughs> that was a quality cheesecake. <laughs> But yeah, that's um, that's the only you know at least at least like your dad would sound cool like he would talk to you if he didn't seem like he was afraid to talk. That's amazing to somebody that born in that generation. Like if he wanted to, he probably would have talked such of a sensitive issue. Oh yeah, my he, dad, he definitely my parents would. couldn't do it. One of the uh, things that when my father in the last year or two of his life, when he we would have conversations. One of the things he was still mad at me about or, or hurt over is we went to a... Because I grew up in Kitsap Lake, and we lived on one side of the lake. And we didn't have That's lake. a county in Washington State. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we didn't have a waterfront property. We lived a couple streets back. Yeah. Um, but on the opposite side of the lake was a big military um, campground called Camp McKean. Yeah. And they, they had all the Puget Sound Naval Shipyard uh, shops would have their summer parties there. Yeah. So all my dad's buddies would be there and everyone's families would come and you'd have a big cookout. And, yeah. Um, and I went to one of these with him and it was a pretty regular family event and you'd rent paddle boats out there. Yeah. And uh, we rented a paddle boat and we got into an argument while we were paddling. Okay. <laughs> and I hopped out of the paddle boat on the opposite side of the lake and went home. Um, I did my best version of a kid saying fuck you to his dad without getting killed. And I hopped out of the boat and went home, and he had to go back <clears throat> to where all his buddies were in a paddle boat by himself, right? Right. And whatever happened then, he was he Do really. Do you remember what you guys were arguing about? No, it could have been anything. Yeah. He was probably trying to get me to act right, and I was just probably being a stubborn little shit. Yeah. And uh, he was still mad about that. He still hurt his feelings. Whatever embarrassment came from that. Yeah. He was like, "I can't believe you just left me like that. Yeah. You just hopped out of the boat." Yeah. Well, how old were you? I, you know, I probably had to be, everything seems like it was eighth grade. So I'm going to say eighth grade. Yeah. You know, so that would have been like 11 or 12, right? Yeah. Maybe 13. Um, but yeah, somehow I decided to take a stand. Yeah. And uh, 
Wait, wait, can I go back? So um, this is really amusing to me that uh, uh, do you think, why well, did you shocking to me that they didn't talk to you until Fred's father passed away? Because that was 1990, right? I don't remember. But yeah, it was like right after high school, so it must have been. Yeah, we're like we're like twenty or something, right? Right. So what? Like there was like period like what five six years they wouldn't talk to you? Yeah. I didn't know that, dude. I, well, we they weren't like not calling me back or anything, or maybe there was some occasions like that, but we just stopped hanging out and stopped being friends. Wow, I'm, I'm curious. Well, that was a hoodlum, right? Yeah. <laughs> At that point. But uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys are talking, man. I had yeah. no idea. Because after I left, I left, you know. I, I, I didn't know what was going on. I just assumed you guys were like... I think uh, when we started talking again, uh, LJ had come back from college and was living with his mom again. Right. He was working at some naval... Uh, uh, he was working somewhere, and we started hanging out. Okay, and good. I, I started getting him out of the house more, and he'd come over and hang out. Because, um, you know, LJ got, I mean, strict code of ethic. Strict code. Yeah. Of, I mean, that guy, you know... He, if he says he's not going to do something, if he tells his mom he's never going to have sex till he's fifty, he won't, right? I yeah, mean, he. This is this is this is like AC Green over here. You know, yeah. this is no bullshit with this guy. I um, love it because it, it just shows like I could be I could be friend with somebody with different opinion, and I don't have that. You know, I don't have uh, people change. You know, I'm forty. I'm, I'm forty seven today. So when you're a kid. Yeah, you have like you might say things that you regret, but you you change. But this this guy is unbelievable. Like his moral compass is like the size of Big Ben clock, you know. Yeah, and um, if, what, if, if somebody, I have of course I'm forty something. I have over the years, like oh, you know, somebody was like, well, I should say his name. He's famous. He said, hey, you know, I'm gay, right? Like, oh yeah, I don't. That's I don't care. <laughs> I don't really care. I went through that bullshit in college, you know, because you have this fear about, you know, my family will say something stupid about different race and uh, gay people and whatnot. Then uh, when you meet them, like, it's not true. It's, 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 it's lies. Like, working at the porn shop in Seattle, that really changed. Like, yeah, these guys jerk off like me. They're just into other men. I, you know, they're, they'll call and say, hey, can you save this something X, Y, and Z? Bellamy, Mustang, whatever, gay porn for me, and they're very grateful. Like, oh, they have same desires. It's just they have it for somebody else. And when you talk to them, like they're like any other people. But LJ <laughs> just won't budge from that. I guess he just maybe he didn't have a good gay person he mingled or something. But yeah, well, as a, a testament to uh, how um, I guess. How strong he would be to his own desires, or not desires, but his own uh, code of ethics. Yeah. So, like, we were probably young 20s, and I had a house in Bremerton with my uh, ex-wife. Yeah. And we were probably, we were really young for having a house. Sure. Um, so everyone partied at our house, always got together. And we weren't getting, we weren't doing a bunch of drinking or nothing. We were just, like, having movie night and game night. It was pretty yeah. lame, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he'd come over and hang out with everybody. And at that time, watching Faces of Death was a really big deal. Sure. Um, and so we'd rent Faces of Death. And he was like, I'd have to lie to him to get him to the house about what we were watching that night. Yeah. And then he'd be like, oh, you guys are watching this. No, thank you. No, thank you. He would go in the other room and read a book while the rest of us yes, watch yes. Faces of Death. No, he's, 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 yeah. he's not a phony at all. He's absolutely not a phony. And yeah. I remember... Um, 
he uh, supervisor, he's higher up at this um, team at risk. Some, you know, I don't know how to exactly call it, but he worked for the state. He's been doing it for a long time. He's very good at it, you know. But he told me something was one of the kids was transgender. And <laughs> it bothered him, you know, he had to learn. He just refused to use the guys. Um, it, might have been, it, was, it, it might have been a situation where the guy's name might have been Sam, but it's now Samantha. He <laughs> refused to call that person by that fe- uh, female name. Uh-huh. So when it comes to that situation, he always used the last name. That's the, that's the furthest compromise he could do for you, but he, he just want to acknowledge that lifestyle at all, you know. So, right. Yeah, yeah that's uh, he's a... He's a piece of work. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I met your lovely wife. And um, you look very happy. I'm happy for you. And, Thank you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very happy that you did comedy because, you know, it's kind of fun for me to talk to someone I knew as a kid doing comedy. Because that's not something I could really talk to Fred because they're funny guys, but they don't do comedy, you know. So it's right. really fun when you talk to you because I don't have to explain anything to you. You know, it's like, you know what I mean? Like when you work in a certain field, you have terminology that someone from outside of that business don't know. But... um I'm really happy you're doing it. And don't worry about if you're going to be star or not. I think you should just do it because it's, it's, it really is fun. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, when I go to a bar now that, that I'm not performing at, it just seems so pointless. It's just so empty. It's like, why am I here? Yeah. There's, there's, there's no way. show. Yeah. There's nothing to do here. And, and it's weird how long, how much of your life can be consumed by waiting to do a five minute set on next Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, that's just I can't explain it. It's 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 kind of reminds me of baseball a lot because actually actually you do more waitings than actually playing the damn game, you know? Right. And uh um for me, you know, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but every time I come up here it makes me really sad. Why? I you miss the I, Sonics? I huh? You miss the Sonics? Yeah, <laughs> you know you know goddamn I do. Um <laughs> It make it make I don't know maybe some un un something's unfulfilled yeah something that starts some, the some, word un. some good things that happen some bad but it's the same place but it's different even like comedy Angra it it makes me sad dude you remember the old facility right? oh yeah yeah and uh... I can't explain it to anybody if you don't do comedy if you never went to that club but I that that really was my home for comedy I really miss mm-hmm. it it was in this old building uh, in, a lot uh, of character a lot of characters a lot of and characters if, characters yeah. and yeah. if you watch Cheers upstairs at the Swanee's bar it mm-hmm. felt like Cheers and you, and you go downstairs that's why it's called Comedy Underground you do comedy and uh, I think you remember Carl. I, I interviewed him for this podcast, and yeah. he he's, he really was for me the Phil Jackson of comedy. Man, he was really good to everyone. And and uh, when I go to down L.A. and anyone who moved to L.A. for show business and started comedy, they just seem to have an agenda that they're making a career out of it. But right. for me, it, it was just like high school 2.0 and i really missed that scene but even terry taylor who used to own giggles comedy i talked to him yesterday like yeah i don't even go to those places because it's just new batch of kids and they're just different they just have seem to have an agenda you mm-hmm. know so i'm glad you're doing it It makes me happy you're doing it it's fun talking to you i hope you keep doing it and hope to see you down in la to do shows and um um but man i i really miss those guys if, if everybody just 
it's almost like a fellowship of the ring at the end of the book when everybody kind of spread and everyone that I was kind of attached to, they're gone. It's, I, I, I don't know where they are. And, you know, people get married, have kids too, and it's really hard to go. But there was a place I used to go that somebody would be there every Sunday and Monday, and I don't have a place like that anymore. Right. Here. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to... Um... Well, I don't know if you remember when I, I first got started and I was going to Seattle Underground and I was doing the open mics there. And then... When did you... Was I still living up here when you were doing You were it? still living here. Okay, good. You were getting ready to leave. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were talking and I was like, yeah, this is pointless for me. I'm coming up here all this way and I'm just sitting here in the dark waiting for my little turn. Then no one talks to me. No one acknowledges I'm alive. And yeah. that camaraderie you were experiencing, I was not... Um, and you were like, hey, you better go check out Tacoma uh, Underground before you quit. Yeah. Uh, and I did. And the camaraderie that you're talking about, I found over there. That's good. Yeah. There was a great group of guys. Um, you know, uh, Travis. Simmons, sure. Travis Simmons. Um, Chris Brennan. Chris Brennan, you know, Tony Daniels, all those guys. Um, Just great guys. And you know, <laughs> very inviting, warm group. But the whole thing was there was an audience there. Yeah. It was ladies night on Wednesday and they got packed. So everyone was happy because they actually had a show. And you know, what was, this reminds me of when I moved to uh, start to see seventh grade. Um, everyone was nice, but um, because only majority of uh, minorities are like two black kids, right? <laughs> so I kind of attached myself. So when when I was doing stand-up, there wasn't any Asian person I remember unless Stan Chin in late 90s, but he was there in there like a year or two before he moved into Indianapolis. But, you know, Ty, Ty Barnett, who did Last Comic Stand, you see him commercial stuff, very funny. Yeah. Uh, Travis Simmons, Harold Gomez, Tony Daniel, uh, even uh, Bradley Lewis, who used to work a lot with Tracy Morgan. But yeah, those... Those are my boys, you know, and uh, I'm glad it's fun to hear from you. Like, holy shit, this is somebody I knew seventh and eighth, and he's he know my I comedy on guys. Yeah, yeah, touched on that world a little bit, not as deep as yourself, just because I didn't have the, I never had the single guy life, and I've been married to someone ever since I got out of high school. So I didn't have the freedom to go run around and have all those. Uh, yeah. Well, you're a lot mature when it comes to those intimacy stuff than I am. And that's, I, I thought you're a better person for that. And, but it's, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you're doing this in between because it's nice to have life outside of work. Right. And, right. Uh, and you look great with your wife, but, um, uh, is she pretty supportive of you doing comedy? Well, she made me get back into it actually. Oh, um, that's great. I quit. And then, you know, she was, like, hey, when are you going to go do comedy again? Because she liked talking it up and having her friends come to shows and whatnot. Sure. You know, and uh, bragging on my behalf. And I wasn't going to do it. I was like, no, you don't understand. You know, it's like I have a second job that doesn't pay. You know, yeah. I don't want to do that to us. Um, I'll be gone all the time for a zero. Um, and then one of my uh, old coworkers hit me up to say, hey, there's a, a salmon hatchery um, show coming up for Christmas. Do you still do comedy? Will you come do comedy? in the basement of a Catholic church yeah. <laughs> for a bunch of friends of the hatchery, you know, all age show. And I was like, that's never been anything I would want to do. Um, but I was like, you know what? It'll be my gateway back into comedy. So, sure. So I said, yes. And I started doing open mics again to build an act for this, uh, event that I probably shouldn't have done, but that was the catalyst to getting back into it. And that was her pushing me and been having a lot of fun ever since. Good, I'm glad. There's okay. a pretty group 
pretty good group of guys down at Olympia that I'm fond of. Yeah. I'm glad you're back. And that's, you know, you're very lucky you have a supportive person uh, saying that because I know you work hard during your day and um, beautiful uh, wife and she's been supportive. And I, you know, yesterday I know I bored you to death, but I couldn't <laughs> stop talking to your wife about her job. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, you ruined my life. <laughs> I, I don't want to, I don't want to say because maybe this is a sensitive job, but she does something very interesting job in my opinion. And I couldn't, I could not stop asking her question that she had, very interesting, very surprising answer to what she does, and like I really enjoyed it. So well, I um, think it doesn't matter as long as we don't say the company. I mean, she's an insurance claim adjuster, and yeah. uh, she tells me these stories that are just painful to listen to from my perspective. Yeah, uh, but Yoshi's all it, you know, giving her uh, extra attention and and a level of interest I can't even fake. And now she's raised the bar, and I can't live up to that shit. Well, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a stuff that I didn't know anything about, and I've always been curious about. And I think um, um, I don't have time to have a, a career in every possible profession. So right. here's somebody who's very smart and good at what she does. And she had a lot of anecdote and a lot of interesting stories and you know, like I've been curious, and she she answered everything that I wanted to ask about it, and like it, it was a very fun conversation. So, um, uh, you have a very smart lady there. So, um, I'm glad. I'm, I'm really am glad. Uh, um, she's encouraging you, and you should, I think you should pursue it because I, I, dude. I, one thing I always remember from seventh grade, like you're always laughing. You know, like you're kind of goofy around. You know, like uh, that's always fun, right? Like you, you kind of brought almost like a barbershop mentality at the class, like always laughing and then asking silly questions during class. Yeah, like, wasting time, that's me. Um. <laughs> but it's it's good. And and I think that's the reason why LJ, Fred, I mean, Fred is pretty occupied with his job and his wife and, well, he loves his kid, you know, but LJ is really fun to bring up. Like, he always bring up your name whenever you come up to Washington and Ron and, you know, a couple other cats living up here. So, yeah. Um, but There was a really good community that, you know, we all struggle to maintain. Yeah. But Jesus, yeah. you've probably known him almost, what, 40 years or something? Yeah. It'd be, uh, it'll be uh, 46 this year, so I've known him 42 years. Yeah. I met him the summer before I started school. Do you... Um, but last time you saw their parents, she was cool with you, right? Oh, yeah. yeah we yeah, we yeah. went to dinner and... Uh, oh, good, good. Yeah. I don't mind disappointing any of my family members, but she's she's. It would really hurt me if I did with her. I'm very cautious of what I say around her too. Yes. I, don't, I don't want her to tell her kids to not hang out with me anymore. Yeah, I mean, I got potty mouth, but her, no man, I would never do that. You know. Yeah. There's uh, so much respect, and I miss. I I really do miss Mr. Patton. He uh, he was he was a wonderful man, and uh, it was very sad that day when we went to his funeral, and. Um, Jesus, I've never seen Fred like that, you know, right. uh, at the church and everything. But um, I'm very grateful that uh, I met them and you, and I'm glad uh, you're doing comedy. And uh, here we are. Um, before we before we finish, um, I know I hope I didn't put you in a weird spot, but I put another idea into your wife's head. I I do hope you guys go Italy like the way she was talking about that. I think you should. I hope you, if you have a chance. Do yeah, she's that. dying to go anywhere. She really wants to go to Hawaii or Italy. Because um, when we were courting, um, you know, I said, "Hey, um, we were both 
still wrapping up our divorces. Yeah. Um, it's like, if we get divorced this year, then we'll go to Tuscany. Yeah. You know, but that was court and man talk. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Here, here's the thing. You are so lucky that somebody been supportive of comedy. I, I think you should surprise her. Yeah. In Italy. Because I, I think uh, you, you're not very fond of traveling to places or... You know, neither one of us have our passports, and it's just we made it into a big chore that we just haven't got over that hump. I, 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 I think I think you should because here's the thing: um, keep taking care. Are you going to be keep taking care of your kids? Keep working, but I think doing comedy and then traveling, I think it's going to change your life for better. It, it really has for me because I have no business going to your uh, Scandinavian doing shows, but that really changed my mind. You know, I'm very. I'm less fearful about the world, and I think I think it will surprise you when you take your wife to Italy. Uh, I think you'll love it. Um, I know you like food too, like I do. Well, you know, I think part of a a layer of my um, reluctance to travel is yeah, yeah. being in sales. You yeah. know, I, that's my bread and butter, and it feels like if you're gone for a day, you're going to go broke. I see. So there's, I've developed the habit of not taking a vacation, just going long weekends only. Yeah. Which is not probably wise, but, but 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 you are good at what you do, and uh, sounds like they 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 need you, right? Let's be honest, yeah, yeah. 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 So, and if you have a history of not taking the time off, I mean, <laughs> are you are you are you fearful to go to fire if you take a ten days off? Or no, something? I mean because I'm I make more money off a of commission than anything, and yeah. if if I'm not there to keep the ball rolling, then it, I whether it's real or not, it feels like it'll stop, you know? Yeah. Well, I hope you find a time to do it. And what I always do, because I don't really get on with my family, I always, always go during the Thanksgiving week because it drives me crazy. Oh, you're not doing it for Thanksgiving? Come over to my house. Like, I just leave the country so people don't harass me about that. Like, right. It's probably cheaper. It's cheaper, too. And I tell people, like, no, 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 no. I'm, I really am okay not hanging out with my family. It's hard for people to believe that, you know, mm-hmm. but... Only weekend that I a week that I can can run away from someone is during Christmas. You know, I just turn off my cell phone, and just go away. You know, mm-hmm. but um, I can understand that. Um, but go, man. I, I I think it's 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 you deserve to go. You you'll be a better person, and she'll love it. And I think the way to do it just surprise her. Yeah, after the conversation we had yesterday, Yoshi ran out and got us a Rick Steves Europe <laughs> <laughs> Europe book. Um, <laughs> I did it for Tom and a bunch of other people that the couples are reluctant to go because I'm I'm telling you and anyone who's listening to this, don't wait when you're 50 or 60 or 70s to do that. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you assume that you're going to be around forever and that's not the case. You you never know how life might come at you, you know? And I I met so many couples like they're late 60s or 70s and I meet them on the road and then overseas and, you know, they're saying like uh, we plan to go but... One of the spouse passed away, and you know you don't want that. You guys are too young to worry about that now. But fucking go, dude. And you're a funny guy, so keep doing comedy. And uh, you, do you have any show coming up? No. <laughs> get back, get back at it, you know. And uh, um, yeah, that is, that sounds pretty positive. No, huh? No, just start, start open mic. Just start hanging out at the club and. Um, Dave Dennison and Terry Taylor names doesn't mean anything to listeners, but they're they're fixture in comedy scene. They're moving back to U District, which is University of Washington area. They're going to bring that club back, and that'll be a good spot. And uh, when you do, when they do come back in August, 
um, I will just remind me and I'll talk to them and I'll tr make sure you drop my name and I'll talk to them. But start going there and, you know, make when that. When they reopen, I'll, I'll Yeah, make it. that like uh, headquarters. I might, I might even come back when it's a uh, grand opening. I'll, I'll probably want to do that. Cool. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. And this, this is really exciting that uh, you're doing it, you know. And then, then, you know what? Just like in Star to See, you were telling what happened to everyone. You'll be the first guy to let me know what's going on with all the comedians in the what, Seattle area. Because I do miss a lot of them. I just, it's weird that a lot of them just disappear. I, I don't know where the fuck they went, you know. Right. Oh, before we finish, do you know a guy named James Inman? Yeah. I remember doing a show years ago. I think it was Bangor Naval Base comedy competition. He should have won or done very well. For whatever reason, the judges at Naval uh, Base didn't like him. He didn't score very high. So as he's leaving there, and you know how uh, combative he can be, that motherfucker's staring for me Fuck the military. You guys are a bunch of baby killers. He's saying this at the fucking <laughs> military base. I thought we were yeah. going to get beaten and killed, man. He's saying this shit, and I'm just apologizing to everyone because I don't want him to get hurt, and I, I definitely want to get in my face punched in, but yeah, I don't know how we got out of there alive, you know, because uh, uh, besides, except for those terrible sexual assault you hear sometimes in military bases, I have a lot of faith. People people in military is always good to me and my family. They really have. You know, we always have business by military bases, you know, Lakewood, right by McCord Air Force and Fort Lewis and Bremerton Naval Off, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I miss doing those shows in military bases. Maybe you could fucking get me those gigs again. I love to come up. It's not even money. Then I really, I, I have right. so much love for them. They're they're good people, you know. And uh, get back into it, dude. Your father was in Navy, you know. I'm not sure how that connects, but you know. Uh, <laughs> no, but did you like the Navy at all? Like, uh, uh, he was already retired by the time I came out. So, did you have a chance to go to go visit the Navy base and things like that? Or well, I was born on a Navy base. Oh, yeah, and okay. then he re he retired before I was born. Um, but you know, I spent a lot of time on the military base. Cause I that's one one of many things I was jealous about uh, growing up. You guys had those special passes, if I remember. Like if you're a son of a military officer or right. service people, they get the special pass. Like they get the damn, I wanted one of those. <laughs> but yeah, that was a. That's weird because I was born on base and I worked on base, and then when I hit a certain age and I wasn't working there, I couldn't go on the base where I'd gone many times. Yeah, they, they yeah. It's like I was born on the other side of this fence, but I can't go over there. Yeah, yeah. When I when I left California in 1990, when I ran out of money, I had no choice but move moving with my mom to save money to go to college. I moved to Lakewood, Washington, and McCord had this really liberal policy of uh, if you want to take classes there, uh, even if you're not a resident, they charge you mm -hmm. regular credit. So first two years, I was uh, going to classes in McCord. And, man, I have so much respect for those military guys. Man, it's amazing. It was so freaky when you're taking classes. A guy was missing, sitting next to me, missing for a couple of weeks, you know. And I thought, oh, well, you're sick. And like, oh, no, no. We were bombing Baghdad. Baghdad or whatever. I don't. He, he was, got deployed, huh? He he was bomb. He was he was like a bomber or something. He, they were bombing the shit out of Iraq or something, you know. Mm -hmm. and, but like what? And like you know, I'm just like a 19 or 20 year old kid, and here I am, a guy about around my age, you know. These are real men right there. And mm -hmm. but yeah, I I I I really appreciate the military people. They were always good to me, man, and uh, good to my family. So. Um, 
Yeah, hopefully uh, you do those gigs and I could go and do a show with you. I tried to do a show with you this time, but you uh, wouldn't narrow down the date you were visiting. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, now you remember. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You had a show Wednesday night, right? Uh, no, not that one. I was going to try and book us a show and, and build a show around your visit. How about um, how about we do it in August the same week as uh, opening up them? I would love to come back up. All right. That, that, that show last year kind of like, fuck, I did this PC and I, it, it wasn't. You know, it was just that... That club was too fancy, man. They brought a lot of fancy people to that club. Do you notice that? Oh, you're talking about uh, Parlor Live? Yeah. In yeah, the, they're closed now. Yeah, but that is just a well-dressed, money. It was a really nice bi- uh, nice building. Yeah, it was really nice, and uh, it, it didn't last in Seattle. But they're back in Bellevue, but yeah, I'll, I'll come back in August when they reopen. All right, well, we'll get a show together. Let's, maybe we'll shoot for Bremerton. Yeah. Oh, that too. So... Uh, I'll release this May of 2016, and I've had people like uh, ask me like if you're doing a show in Washington State, but yeah, I'll, I'll come back for August, and uh, uh, I'll find out whenever those guys are doing um, grand opening, I'll come up um, a week before, a week after, maybe during the week. It just depends on medical testing if I have to do it, but I will come come in August, and how about we do that show up here? Uh, it'll be good seeing you, and uh, uh, hopefully. Um, It'd be kind of cool if I could see any other people in the start of C. Well, I'm sure if we do it in Bremerton, we'll get some people out. Yeah. Man. All right. Ruben, thanks, man. Um, oh, my pleasure. Uh, I'm I'm glad uh, things are good. And uh, man, do, 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 do stand up. It, it, it'll be good. It'll, um, and don't worry about all the other bullshit that people in LA worry about, you know. And especially if she's, if she's that supportive, you're very lucky. Honestly, they'd be that luck uh, supportive, yeah. you know. And I'm sure if I took a show in LA, she'd be happy to hop on a plane and go down for the weekend. Yeah, let's do that too. But or, we both know I'm going to get a Monday night show. <laughs> um. So, where could they follow you? Like a Twitter account, Facebook, Facebook. That's it. Well, I mean, tell them how you spell your last name and everything. Um, just Ruben Kerson, R U B E N K E R S O N. You have a Twitter or something, or Instagram, or anything like that? Nope. All right. Um, that sounds lame. Thanks for dwelling on that. Well, we'll make those. And uh, and <laughs> maybe you could even start doing a podcast or something up here too. But um, anyway, dude, thanks, man. You're very generous. You you got me a room. That's very kind of you. And picked me up in Olympia when I was driving back from Portland. And it was fun talking to your wife. That was really interesting. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop asking your question. And to, thanks for telling me this story. I had no idea about the, those stories at all. It makes me laugh. Um, I can't wait to talk to them about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about their criminal history. Yeah. None whatsoever. All right, man. Ruben, thanks. And uh, I'll, I'll be back in August. And uh, hopefully uh, some of you could come up and maybe check out the show. Cool. All right, man. Thanks. Talk to you guys thanks. soon. Bye.